a home. It's something we all need. But for too many, having a safe place to make a home is out of reach. The challenges can seem insurmountable. And yet, each and every day, people are coming together to provide safe, quality, and affordable housing for those in need. Welcome to Let's Talk Housing. I'm your host, Sarah Goldvine. Join us as we listen to and learn from people in British Columbia who are creating strong, inclusive communities where everyone can thrive. Moving into your first home is challenging enough for many young people. It's even more so for people with disabilities who face additional barriers. Today on Let's Talk Housing, we hear from Lyndon, who just one year ago faced a future where finding attainable, accessible housing was next to impossible. With the average rental rate for a one-bedroom apartment being $1,200 per month in his community of Vernon, Lyndon and his mother, Andrea, weren't sure what his options would be. That is, until the Okanagan Village Housing Society, led by Cindy Masters, opened the village at Pleasant Valley. Before we get underway, I'd like to acknowledge that I'm recording from the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh. Our guests today are joining from the traditional and unceded territory of the Silks Okanagan people. Also, in full transparency, this episode is being recorded in October of 2023 and reflects the matters of that time. Lyndon, Andrea, Cindy, welcome to Let's Talk Housing. Thank you. Thanks for having us here. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, Cindy, I'm hoping you can start just by giving us a brief overview of the Okanagan Village Housing Society and what your what the goal is for uh, the organization in terms of offering housing for, for folks with different needs. Well, thanks so much for the question. So Okanagan Village Housing Society is a society that is designed to provide housing for a variety of groups of people. And we like to call the people that we're providing housing for the gap population of people. And it's a group of people that aren't currently being supported by other groups. So it is people that we feel that are kind of being missed in some of the housing sectors where there's a lot of housing being provided for certain demographics of people. But this group of people is is sort of being missed. And so we're really happy when we were able to put together the village at Pleasant Valley as a group of housing. So there's three bedrooms, two bedrooms and one bedrooms for a diverse population of people who are either working and needing housing or on deep subsidy and still needing housing. And the goal is to create a community of residents. And we're really excited about uh, the, the tenants that we have at the village at Pleasant Valley. That's great. And and certainly, I mean, we talk a lot on this podcast about different types of housing. Um, but certainly, you know, part of that is that everyone's needs are different in terms of what they need in a home um, and what they what they need to thrive. How does the village specifically help folks uh, with disabilities be able to, you know, have a home that they can call their own. We have two fully accessible units in that project, which means that they are suitable for someone who is in a wheelchair or a walker. And the other two one bedrooms are adaptable units. And the reality is, is that many people who are diverse abled do not actually need an adaptable or wheelchair friendly unit. Their diverse ability can't be seen um, to the to the eye like they're not they don't need an accessible unit they just need a unit that is suitable for someone on a deep subsidy yeah thank you and 
Andrea, can you um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? You've been supporting Lyndon. Of course, family members support each other. What has it been like for, for you as a family member to be able to access this housing? And what's that journey been like for you? I mean, it's given Lyndon an, an opportunity to be independent, a, sort of an opportunity that we never sort of, that we hoped for and dreamt for. But actually having it come into an existence was um, I think I've mentioned this before, it was like winning the lottery. You know, Lyndon was becoming of age um, and we really wanted to ensure that he had this ability to be living independently and over the years had worked very hard to make sure that we had the right resources in place in order for him to do so. But the biggest hurdle as he became an adult was the opportunity to find housing that he'd be able to, affordable housing, really. And so we were looking at different options where, you know, it's renting a room, it's sharing a place, it's family members. You look at all the options as it relates to affordability which are all fantastic, but it doesn't necessarily lend, again, that aspect of independence. Knowing that Lyndon may not necessarily have the the freedom or the ability to have employment that it will allow to find housing in today's market as, as it relates to the, the current rental rates, having this come up, it was an amazing fit for him. And I think even more so importantly in working with Cindy and the team was the awareness working with individuals with disabilities, more specifically, you know, in Lyndon's case with his autism, they worked really hard in in finding a unit that was appropriate for his needs. Um, ensuring that the communication, how we discuss matters, how things were approached, all sort of any type of material um, was addressed and presented in such a way that met his needs and requirements as he uh, moved into the units, that he was fully informed, he was part of the process, um, which I think made things simpler as we moved in. So it wasn't this abrupt change moving into a stranger's basement. It was very much sort of a, a transition of moving from a home, you know, for, you know, Lyndon and I living together to Lyndon actually being able to create a home for himself. And so it was a unbelievably smooth process, actually. Lyndon, there's so many challenges for, for young folks moving into their own housing, even if they're not facing the additional barriers that someone with disability might might be facing. Can you tell us what's it like for you now to be living in your own home? What's that transition been like? There's a lot of freedom to it, but there's also a lot of learning of like my responsibilities of cleaning and budgeting for food, just general day-to-day life, things like that. It's a big change sometimes for, for folks when they're when they're moving into their own home, and there's a lot that comes with that. Cindy, can you talk a little bit about how um, your society works to to support folks when they're moving into moving into a home to be able to really set them up for success what does that like well generally the process to get involved into even getting chosen for a unit is quite a long process you know you you have to do your application with BC housing and then you have to do your application with the society and then you get shortlisted for a unit and then once you're shortlisted for the unit and we've identified potentially somebody who is diverse abled. So, and then what we really try to do with all of our tenants, whether they're diverse abled or not, is just ensure that the unit suits their needs and that they're comfortable with the process because it is a 
it's quite a process to do the BC housing paperwork and then do the process with us as well. Uh, it's pretty invasive. We, we know an awful lot about the person and their financial history. And so we try to walk them through how to have them be comfortable with the process because it, it's, a, it's more than when you're just renting uh, a unit without the subsidized housing. So with subsidized housing, it is, it's an invasive process with submitting all of your financial information. I mean, basically, it's your tax return and your, your uh, bank statements and all of that information and any payroll stubs if you're currently working. And all that information comes to us. And then we have to verify it all. So it, it's, it's quite a process. And it's, sometimes it's time consuming where we're doing that. And we, we also are doing uh, working with other tenants at the same time. So it, it's about making sure that the tenant feels comfortable and understands the process. And we're still a very small organization. So we're very hands-on, myself and the building manager, Kara. We really work closely with the tenant and in, if they wish, the tenant's families. Uh, always keeping in mind, though, that we are renting to the tenant, not to the family. And our first priority is to the tenant. And we always have to make that our number one priority because it's, it's personal private information that we know about people. Yeah, it's, it's quite a process. Andre, you mentioned earlier that accessing this housing was a bit like winning the lottery, but it sounds like it's kind of like winning the lottery and also having to fill an encyclopedia worth of paperwork in order to access, <laughs> access your winnings. So, so what does yeah. navigating all of that look like for a family um, in terms of, you know, being able to access such important housing? Um, it's a lot of work. Um, luckily, Cindy and Kara helped us navigate through the system. I know without their assistance that I wouldn't have known where to have started or uh, where to have looked at the process or even more so wasn't even aware of that opportunity existed until um, luckily I saw a post on social media that Cindy had posted about space becoming available through the society and I had reached out to her and asked her what what did that mean? What type of opportunity was this? What did it look like? And and that started the process. Um, I think without, I know without that, we would still be looking at Lyndon. Uh, he'd still be living with me. You know, in terms of, of paperwork, getting the information available, I would say it was a day in, in terms of, let's say, that type of information being asked for or the, or the the material that was needed, I've had for other requests as we're navigating through the support systems in place in BC for individuals with disabilities. So getting the information together was maybe not as difficult because it's something that we've had to do anyways to navigate the numerous systems to get supports in place for Linden. I think for a family, they're new to it, dealing with their own personal hurdles, you know, let's say if they, you know, have a multiple children in a family or whatever hurdles that they might be dealing with at the same time, it can easily be an overwhelming process. Mm -hmm. We have heard of a lot of people who actually give up on the process yeah. because it becomes complex and not necessarily the same sort of support system always in jumping the hurdles to get through to the housing. It's hard. I wouldn't say necessarily that the questions themselves were difficult 
in answering. It was the the depth and breadth of information and the volume that needed to be provided in order to 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 provide that was difficult. I, I couldn't imagine an individual, you know, depending on you know the the hurdles that they're facing. You know, I can see an individual doing it alone without an advocate and dealing with some personal hurdles, giving up on it quite quickly because of the volume and type of information being provided. Mm-hmm. That in itself can it could easily be a blocker. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lyndon, you've heard about these these navigating these barriers, and Cindy and and your mom, Andrea, have both talked about that. And you're in your new home. You've navigated those barriers with your team. Um, how has living in this home changed your day to day life? Heard you've got a job now. Like that type of thing can have a big impact. What's it? What's how's your life different now? Pretty different from like when I was left by my mom's. I have to consider these things I never really considered before, like getting toilet paper and getting paper towel and all that stuff. I never really considered it before. It's weird because I've talked to a few people about this is where I'll be eating food and I'll be thinking in the back of my head how much it is. And I never really had that idea of perspective before until I moved out. I think I see things differently. I don't know. I get more of an idea for things. It's weird. It's way different than my mom living alone. The to- yeah. the uh, toilet paper fairy doesn't exist, right? Yes, Kevin? the toilet paper fairy doesn't <laughs> exist. I don't think so. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the reality. We talk about housing, but it's never just about four walls and a roof, right? I mean, this is about a home and all the other things that, that come with that. Andre, you talked about just the the challenges in, in navigating. What do you think we could be doing, you know, just thinking about your own story and your own experiences and, and those of Lyndon? What types of changes do you think we should be thinking about to be able to help folks, particularly people with disabilities, navigate the system towards accessing housing? Actually, there's three components, education, awareness, and advocacy. Even that, say, an individual with disabilities may be aware of resources and options available to them and educated on maybe how to access them. Uh, but I think that there are a lot of individuals out there that need advocacy and support in addition to that awareness and education in order for them to be able to move forward and be successful to navigate the system. I know a thousand percent that if Lyndon was to be asked to do this on his own, he would not have been successful. You know, it is again, it's not because of L- Lyndon's intellectual capabilities or his abilities to understand what's needed, just the sheer complexity of moving forward through it that would have he would have stumbled through it. Once I became aware of a program or support that was available, I could always find the information on it in order to be able to get the resources needed. But It was the awareness piece that I needed in order to get the information. The only way that I was able to do that effectively is gain the awareness is through networking. And I never hesitated. I would reach out to anyone, any resource, any organization. If I saw another parent accessing supports or uh, saw another individual involved with something, I would ask, how did you get here? Who did you talk to? How did you get the supports? And then I would 
pursue it. I think back to your initial question as to what is it that a family or individuals supporting someone with disabilities needs is perseverance. Don't give up and ask the questions and and you have to push. You, you can't give up. It can be very difficult in the journey. We've got um, an accessibility plan that, that uh, we're just in the process of rolling out. And I think that really what we've heard from Lyndon and Andrea highlights some of the challenges. I mean, you mentioned off the top that you have these accessible and adaptable units, but for many folks with disabilities, the barriers are um, throughout the entire system and might be more on the application process or the awareness process, even more so perhaps than the built form. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, your perspective as a housing provider? What do you think that um, your society or BC Housing and the province of BC should be doing to help address some of those barriers that exist for people with disabilities in terms of accessing housing? So as the housing provider, we field all the calls because we are behind a phone at a desk at, at, at one of our locations answering the phone. And it is the amount of time that it takes to be a coach, to be a mentor to people from the housing provider side. So that takes a significant amount of time and there almost needs to be positions available for housing providers that simply walk people through the process. Because if you can walk someone through the process, it becomes a little bit more simplistic for them step one, step two, step three. And we've attempted to try to direct people to a website to do that, similarly to how BC Housing does it. But unfortunately, many of the people we encounter, uh, they, they need someone to handhold them through that process. And as a housing provider, it's finding the time and taking the time to do that. There's never enough hours in any given day to do all of that and help coach and mentor all the people that we get the calls from. Because basically, our phone rings all day uh, with people who are looking for housing. And it's absolutely so wonderful when we can find housing for the perfect person. Uh, it's so heartbreaking the number of people that we turn down and, and turn away or, I mean, they're on our list. They're on everybody's list. It's it, That part is very, very heartbreaking. There just isn't enough housing. There, The bottom line is there's not enough housing. And I know that it's, you know, there, there's a CHF fund running right now because there isn't land available for a society to be able to afford to wrap that into the housing application process. There needs to desperately be more housing for the people who are in this gap population. And the, the gap is growing bigger and there's the need is growing every day. And I know that BC Housing knows that. I absolutely know that BC Housing knows that. Municipalities know that. People do know that. And I really hope collaboratively people can start working together to make enough homes that people have adequate housing. Absolutely. I mean, Cindy, you've touched on it there. Um, really, we, we know we've had more than 77,000 homes delivered and underway since 2017 which is a huge number, but we know there's still so much more that needs to be done. And, you know, as you mentioned, we've, BC Housing has a call underway now. Um, That's why we have tens of thousands of more homes on, on the way, but we also know there's the need is really, really great. Andrea, I, I'd like to get your thoughts. Like, what would your advice be for other families that might be facing similar situations where um, they're really trying to access housing for themselves or their loved ones. Would you, you've mentioned education, awareness and advocacy, but, you know, do you have any specific advice for families as they, as they navigate this? 
That's a good question. I, you know, I, I really believe that it takes a, a community to support each other. If families are moving into a scenario similar to what Lyndon has gone through, um, I would say don't do it in isolation. It's okay to ask for help and it's okay to, to reach out to, to your friends or to support groups or to um, others within the community and to ask for advice or ideas how to, to move forward. I mean, you know, as Cindy talked about themselves personally as to them fielding calls on our daily basis and, and coaching people through the process, those individuals are getting the help because they reached out and, and, are, and have talked to Cindy and her team to be able to, to help them go through things. I firmly believe that Lyndon and I would not have been able to have Lyndon in the spot that he's in today without the help of Cindy and Kara. If I continue to do it or try to do it or solve the issue completely on my own or with Lyndon and I looking at things, we wouldn't be where we're at today. And so, Lyndon, I'd like to end with you, right? You are where you're at today. You're in your new home. As you look ahead to the future, what are your hopes and plans for the future now that you have your own home? Right now, I'm mostly just focusing on saving up my money and figuring out what I want to do in my life, on my future goals, plans, and ideas. It's mostly just going through the flow and seeing how things turn out, see how things go, what opportunities there are for me right now. It's mostly just a lot of, I wouldn't say waiting but there's definitely a decent amount of waiting. Can I add something to that, Lyndon? Yeah. What I find most interesting about the process over the past six months is watching Lyndon transition from an individual that was supported 100% at home by his family to being independent with support through CLBC and a support worker to help him in the process. It's been amazing to watch him learn the process of living independently. He has two older siblings. And so watching them go through it, a lot of the things that they did, they took for granted because it wasn't necessarily a life skill. It's a life skill that they already had while living at home and then transitioning to on their own was a relatively simpler process and watching Lyndon go through it and the discovery phase he's so excited when it comes to his own successes that a lot of us would take for granted Lyndon as you were saying the toilet paper right mm -hmm. and the learnings from that <laughs> it's a joy as a parent watching him go through this over the past six months. And I think the nice dynamic about what's happened is we are moving from a caregiver dependent type of relationship to now a more of a family unit where we 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 go and we enjoy each other's company and go out for dinner and because Lyndon's able to make those choices as a independent adult. It's you still go through that process that say with, you know, we still went, I still went through that process with his siblings, but with Lyndon, with him having disabilities, not only was I a parent and caregiver, but I've also was his 
caseworker and his advocate and his support person and above and beyond a parenting role. And so now that he's living independently, a lot of that has shifted to more of a parental child relationship that's it's more enjoyable. It's, it's just exciting to be able to come to his place and see it make it him make it his own. And I can harass him about him not having Oreo cookies for me. And, <laughs> you know, we can go out for sushi and it's just... It's because that he's on his own that we have that shift in our relationship. Lyndon, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'd say that sounds about right. So, Lyndon, next time your mom comes over, are you going to have Oreo cookies for her? Yes, I was supposed to get some today, actually. Okay. Fail. All right. Fail. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know the secret, Lyndon. The next time we come over, Karen and I are going to ask for Oreo cookies, too. Uh Uh Uh-oh. 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 It's out. It's Oreo cookies or licorice. It's one uh, or two. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to vote for licorice then. Okay. Uh, there will probably be some hidden away. You know, to find it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, here here you are, Lennon, in your own home. I'm taking orders from folks for uh, for what they expect when they show up and also appearing on a podcast. You know, lots of folks around the province listen to this, people in the housing sector and across the country. What would you want to share with people who are listening to this podcast about what's important for for young folks with disabilities in order to access their own housing? Anything you want to leave our our listeners with? I'd say like, just trust the process. I, I remember at first, I was pretty scared, I'm going to be honest. But then when I got into it, I was like, this is much easier than I was expecting so just don't be afraid about moving out it's scary but once you actually get into it it's not as bad as you think I think the reason why Lyndon is so successful in allowing him to be independent is the fact that he's in a a supportive housing area so I know Cindy that Kara and you are keeping an eye on things and even though that it's not in a big brother-ish way it's just more is keeping an eye on the safety of the area and that everything's kept clean and that individuals that are in the that are staying here are are vetted and that um so from a safety perspective um from a you know I know that the fridge will always be working I know that the stove will always be working so I know from a housing perspective Linden's safe. I know that from a support aspect um, through supports with CLBC that Linden has a support worker in place all the time so that they can take him grocery shopping. They can help him address any hurdle, day-to-day hurdles that he might encounter in terms of a, a life skills perspective that there's the supports there. And so, it, you know, it, it's not... It's not that Cindy, it's not that the society just provided an apartment for a place for Lyndon to live. They provided a sort of a smaller community, a smaller safe community where I know that Lyndon can live in, um, can live and be taken care of as part of a bigger support network that he's involved in. So I think there's an important piece to add to it, that it's not just providing 
it's providing housing and it's not just providing housing. It's the services too, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Subsidized housing is a very necessary thing that the community needs. We need more housing. I mean, that's really the bottom line is there needs to be more housing. We all know that. And I think that we are all advocates here on this podcast to to try to make more housing happen. Yeah, it is quite annoying seeing how pricey houses have gone in the housing market. Yeah, rentals are very, very high right now. Yeah, the need is intense right across the province. It's insurmountable for, for many folks, particularly if they have weather barriers, right? That's why providing this housing is so crucial. That's really great. Thank you. Let's talk again soon. To learn more about BC Housing, including how to apply for subsidized housing in British Columbia, visit bchousing.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and X. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a rating. This will help others find Let's Talk Housing and join the conversation. You can subscribe to Let's Talk Housing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.